you, Gary. Appreciate that. There are two verses in this text of Scripture that, that I have had memorized for many, 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 many years. And one of the things that I've seen as we've been going through the book of John is that several of the passages I've memorized in, in the case of the passage that, that Gary just read, I have decided that, that I not only need to continue to use the passage that I have memorized, but from the context, I need to add a couple of verses to the passage that I have memorized. So isn't that the way that God would have us to do? Not only to just have knowledge, but to add to our knowledge, uh, to add to our commitment. And I believe he certainly uh, has done that for me and my life. The passage that I uh, often uh, quote is verse 12. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. It's really pretty simple, isn't it? Either you have him or you don't have him. If you have him, you have life. If you don't have him, you do not have life. There is no in-between with God. You are either in or you are out. If you are out, you have the opportunity to be in. Last week we talked about being an overcomer. And, and what does it take to be an overcomer? I see there are some things that overcomers uh, consistently have. Number one, I think they have knowledge. Is it impossible? Or is it possible to be saved without a base knowledge of what Jesus Christ did? Coming to earth as a child, living a perfect life, dying as a perfect sacrifice, and um, rising to prove that he could conquer sin and death. I mean, those are kind of the basic things, basic knowledge, but we must go beyond just knowledge True overcomers must have faith because without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if you have faith, if you have looked at the knowledge and if you have faith, then I believe you will have something else. I believe you will have the indwelt Holy Spirit. God's spirit inside of your or communicating with your spirit. And this book describes that beautifully. And I think the verse that I'm going to add to verse 12 is verse 11. We talked about the testimony of God, uh, the water and the blood and the spirit. That's what we talked about this week. He said that whoever does not believe, excuse me, who, I'll start with verse 10. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. And what is the testimony? Verse 11 says, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Could it be any simpler than that? Eternal life is available to mankind. And it's available in the person of Jesus Christ. That's the testimony of God. I don't know about you, but I tend to overcomplicate things. I, any of you tend to overcomplicate things? It's almost... It 
I'm going to tell on you, buddy. <laughs> Kenny points to the empty seat sitting next to the empty seat next to him. You know, the the real challenge. Raj and I were discussing this recently. The the real, you know. Think about Jesus Christ and his ability to communicate clearly with his audience. I mean, we're talking about the individual who, uh, the part of the Trinity that God used as the agent of creation. Do you think he understands physics? Do you think he understands chemistry? Do you think that he understands things, viruses and funguses and 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 biology beyond the level of every modern-day science? Who thinks that Jesus knows more than any of those people? And yet, even though he was so wise, the, the, the his contemporaries, even when he was a boy, marveled at his knowledge as he spoke in the temple. They, they were amazed at what Jesus knew. And even though Jesus knew so much he was able to communicate on a level that people could understand and and that is a a real challenge for those of us who have knowledge it's a challenge for me in the classroom do i know more than my students know i hope so they don't think so <laughs> i'm pretty sure i after uh, a degree in agricultural engineering and 32 years of experience in agriculture, I'm pretty sure I know more than the average freshman in high school, right? Now, most freshmen think that they know more than anybody over 30, right? That is a reality of them. So I have, but I cannot communicate on my level I have to communicate on their level. I had a brilliant, brilliant student last year. He came in as a senior. He was n had not been a part of the program ever before. Every once in a while, they just stick these upperclassmen. I guess they got nowhere else, else to go. And there's an empty seat in my class, and so they put him in my class. And this kid was this kid almost aced the math ACT. I mean, he was brilliant, and I would put problems up there, and, and he would he would he would just smoke through any problem that I put up there. And I put a problem up there one day, and I could see that he wasn't working on it. It was very simple, Kenny. It was a simple calculation of, of where should we set the fertilizer. You know, I often bring exactly what we're doing on the farm right into the classroom. We were fertilizing alfalfa. We were using 1034. We wanted X amount of gallons. It took five hours to water 20 acres. You have to tell the irrigator how much to set the application rate in order to get 10 gallons of 1034. So how many seconds per quart do you tell the irrigator to measure out and meter out the fertilizer as it's being irrigated because it's fertigation. We are fertilizing inside the water, right? Fairly simple, right? Seconds per quart, not a complicated math. And there sits Kevin. And fine, and I walked around the room a little bit. We're supposed to be walking around the room, you know, assessing. Finally, I look at Kevin and say, Kevin, say, how, how come you're not working on the problem? He says, Mr. Pratt, he says, I can't do this problem. 
Kevin, this is simple math. He says, I know. He says, but I can't do it. I said, Kevin, why can't you do it? He said, what's a quart? Y you got to remember, these kids are from Mexico. They don't know the English system. They know metrics. Now, if I had asked him how many liters per second, Kevin would have been all over that. But Kevin did not know what a quart was. And this is a brilliant student. Okay? We've got to get it down to the level that people can understand. And nobody does that better than God. Could not God overwhelm us with knowledge? That, I mean, we would just go, huh? What? There was a, used to be an advertisement for a speaker. How many of you remember when speakers were, the bigger the better? Anybody remember those days? I had a $700 pair of speakers with my Pioneer amplifier and all that good stuff. And, and there, was, there was an ad for a speaker in one of the modern magazines. And, and, and it used to have a guy sitting in an armchair and a lamp sitting next to him. And he was sitting in front of the speaker. Kenny remembers it. And, and the lampstand, and his hair was blown back, and the lampstand was blown back, and he was just sitting there in front of the speaker. And we would come out of our calculus class, and my friends and I, we developed this little sign language when the teacher went over our heads. We would kind of sit down like that guy and go like this. <laughs> How many of you know if God wanted to, he could go over the top of your head all day long? <laughs> but God has this amazing way of being able to communicate what he needs to communicate in very simple terms so that the youngest child, Grayson's age, can begin to understand that he needs God. And he says, and this is God's testimony, eternal life is available and this life is in his son. Jesus said, I have came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. Right? Eternal life is available. Whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Eternal life is available. And it's available in one person and that one person is Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm going to add, I personally am going to add, in fact, I already did it before this sermon. I put a little asterisk and an M because that's what I was taught around both the first verse, 11 and 12. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So you have the testimony. This is God's testimony. Eternal life's available. It's in his son. If you have the son, you have life. If you don't have the son, you don't have life. Could it be any simpler than that? Very simple. Now, I am absolutely convinced that one of the things that God wants you to have in your Christian walk is assurance. And I use more often than any other verse in the Bible to communicate God's desire for you to have assurance. I use 1 John 5, 13, 
more than any other verse in the Bible. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may what? Think. Hope. Does it say think? Does it say hope? What does it say? Know that you may know that you have eternal life. Do, do you think God wants you to say, <laughs> I hope I get, get to heaven someday. See, the problem with most people is they're, they're weighing on a s balance scale. Most people believe that if I do more good, then, I, then the things that I do bad, that I get in. That's, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Because the Bible tells us that doesn't work. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it is by grace you are saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Nobody gets to heaven and says, Ha! Look at me! I made it! I was good enough! There will be nobody, nobody that was good enough. When Jesus Christ is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying before the Father, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but thine be done. Do you know how many people would be saved if Jesus Christ did not go to the cross? Rick's up. This is the number. The math is not hard. If Jesus Christ does not go to the cross and die as a substitution for our sins, zero people would be saved. And I'm convinced that's why, that's why Jesus, when he prayed that prayer, the Father says, we got we to gotta get through tomorrow, son. We've got to get through the next 72 hours. Is it going to be hard? Yes. But we'll, we're going to make it. There's hope on the other side of, of Good Friday. Sometimes I like to think of it as Black Friday. Right? It was a, it was a, it was a tough day for the Trinity. How many of you know that? But if Jesus Christ had not died on that cross, Nobody is saved. Nobody. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I have open in front of me the famous Fanny Crosby song. We sang this at Mary Jean's funeral, Blessed Assurance. Fanny Crosby only has one thing. She has, I believe, her name and the date that she lived, there's only one phrase on her tomb, and it's the title of this song, Blessed Assurance. And let's not sing it, but let's look at the words and see if we can agree with Fanny Crosby. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Now, in my hymn book, it's 572 if you'd like to read along with me. In my hymn book... That ends with an exclamation point. I don't know about you, but I'm an exclamation point kind of guy. I overuse exclamation points. I know I do, but I love them. I don't write in all caps, 
But when I say something that I'm emphatic about, exclamation point. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, exclamation point. How many of you could say amen to that? Yep. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation. Purchase of God. That's on the cross. Born of his spirit. Washed in his blood. Amen? Is that, is that, is that not all totally biblically true? A, for a person of faith to have all of those things? We'll, we'll, we'll finish up with the uh, chorus in a minute. Perfect submission. Perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. Perfect submission. All is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Over and over again. This is my story. This is my song. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. John says, I write these things that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you think Fanny Crosby understood 1 John 5.13? Do you understand 1 John 5.13? Are you in that place of confidence? I believe God wants you to be there. Now, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time going over what is next. But if you have Christ in your life and you are a certain of your eternal destination, then verse 14 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. If you have that relationship with God, you should have confidence. This is talking about your prayer life. We are fixing the adventure onto a prayer journey like we've never ventured on before. Really. We've never made a commitment to pray for other people that we don't even know for 30 days. But we're asking you to consider making that commitment today. And this text of scripture tells us that if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we should have amazing confidence that Whatever we ask in accordance with his will, that he answers us. I can tell you that it is the will of God that, that no one should perish. God is not willing that anyone should perish. And there will be people in your packet that do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And God's not willing that any should perish. We are praying for God to move like he's never moved in our lifetime. What does it take for people to pay attention to God? Does it take economic crises? I'm told, surely, that the, that the churches were full in the midst of the Great Depression. A great world war. We have church growth like never before in the 50s. 
And yet, some of our churches are empty. In fact, you can go online and you can buy church buildings. Congregations have literally dried up in places and have failed to thrive in the midst of amazing population growth. What do we need? We need a move of God. And we're praying for a move of God. And God is not willing that any should perish. And if you have a relationship, if you have that blessed assurance, you should have confidence to be able to pray for people. How many of you have seen, Chris and I have seen this, we haven't seen it with 100% of our children, but we have seen our children make wrong choices, go off the path, and we have seen our children, some of our children, come back to the path. Has anybody seen that? Have you not, have you not prayed to the hound of heaven and asked him, Lord, bring them home? In fact, my wife shared with me recently, whatever it takes. Are you willing to pray, Lord, whatever it takes, bring them home. Bring them home. Brothers and sisters, that's what we're praying for. And when one person comes home, God's word tells us that there is rejoicing in heaven. Amen? When one person makes that transition, there is rejoicing in heaven. I don't know about you. I have no idea what, uh, Shanna and I <laughs> have no idea what's going to happen in the next month. I mean, it is literally, it, it, it is, I've, I told you when we started this service, I've never seen anything like this. It is unbelievable what is going on. The, the world does not have certainty. The world is confused. Now is the time for God's people to be, as we are tied in with the rock. I, I, watched, I watched some, we watched on television the other night out in the, out in the desert with David and Laura. We turned on the television and we watched a, a flash flood rescue. And six firefighters anchored to something really solid went out into the middle of the turbulence and got, was she 72 or 74? A 74-year-old woman out of her car and carried her to safety. Brothers and sisters, it's time for all of us who are tied to the rock to go out into the stream and to rescue some lost souls. Amen? And we start that by praying. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your love for your creation. We thank you for your love for this country and this continent, for this world. And Father, we pray that your spirit will move. Father, we pray for wisdom on behalf of the elders. And Father, we pray for direction in our lives. We pray that hedge of protection. But Father, we pray for faith that helps people who are lost to see the truth of what it means to believe in you. We have ultimate confidence in you. We have assurance of our salvation. Father, help us to communicate that message to a lost, confused, and 
literally fearful wound. We'll give you all the honor and the glory. And as we pray today, we pray as Jesus taught us to.